the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us through knowledge of you and of your will, and through obedience to your word to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. It from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And on earth be 
them through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Scripture readings for this, the sixth Sunday of Easter, the first reading from the 16th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, verses 9 through 15. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go out into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Theratira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Christ has risen from the dead. 
God the Father has crowned him with glory and honor. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. He has put all things under his feet. The epistle from the second chapter of Revelation. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and he spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal, It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings on earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with the singing of the hymn for the gospel, Christians while on earth abiding.
stand in respect to Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. And Jesus said, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father, and I have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord. with me our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
grace and peace be yours from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Gospel reading these particular words of Christ. In that day, you will ask of the Father in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Our text. Friends in Christ Jesus, he was not a nobleman by birth. In fact, Thomas Cromwell, not to be confused with Oliver Cromwell, but Thomas Cromwell didn't receive the kind of academic training that many of his aristocratic contemporaries would have. But by being in the right place at the right time and by a combination of ambition and calculation and hard work, Thomas Cromwell in time would, for a commoner, gain near unprecedented access not only to the court of the king, but to the very man himself, infamous King Henry VIII. You see, in 1531, Cromwell was made a royal counselor for parliamentary business and thereby became a member of the king's trusted inner circle. He would then gain access to the king's fortune when named Chancellor of the Exchequer. He was endowed by the king with judicial sway when he was named After that master of the rolls appointed then the king's secretary, Cromwell, his business became the king's letters, very own letters of correspondence. Perhaps more influential than any of these, though Cromwell, in being appointed deputy in spiritual affairs, he gained supervisory roles in the church, which until this time were simply unprecedented for any layman. But even such unprecedented access didn't assure Cromwell his head. In 1540, at the direction of King Henry VIII, Cromwell, as many at that time seemed to lose, he lost his head on the chopping block. Whether you're a White House correspondent, or a backstage concert goer, or even a 16th century commoner in the court of a king, Unprecedented access can be very coveted and prized. In today's text, Jesus points out to us that the Easter, his Easter resurrection victory has given you and me unprecedented access too. Remember that, I should say, today's text begins, you see, exactly where last week's gospel text left off. Remember that Jesus said that After a little while, they would not see him. And then after a little while, they would see him. And they'd be sorrowful. And yet their sorrow would turn to joy. Well, evidently, Jesus there is speaking to them about his death and his burial. About his death and his burial in the tomb when when they would be sorrowful. And for a little while, they wouldn't see him because he would be sealed in a tomb. But then after a little while, they would see him. And their sorrow would turn into joy. A joy which couldn't be taken away. Well, today's text then begins with the very, it picks up with the very next sentence that Jesus speaks in that discourse. And he says, in that day, which day? The day of his resurrection and beyond. In that day of me, he says, you will ask nothing. Instead, Jesus says, you and I would now have, because of his Easter victory, unprecedented access to a father now reconciled 
to his children. For he'd say in the gospel, you heard him, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. A few verses later, he says, in that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. In other words, no, you'll have access, unprecedented access. You'll have access to ask him yourself. For he said the Father himself loves you. Because you love and you believe in me, he said. It's good for us to stop and consider the privilege of prayer's access to God that we have because of Christ. To God as our Father. And why we have that access, it's good to consider it. Because you see, it may be... Just like a commoner who spent near all his days in the graces and the privileged court of a king, it may be that we've long grown so used to the access and so accustomed to having at any time the ear of heaven's king that we forget our common roots and what it took to gain that ear. Well, Isaiah reminds us, He records, your iniquities have separated you from your God so that your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So that he will not hear. Never let yourself forget your natural born common roots. Never let yourself forget the forsaken silence, the sound of that silence. The the sound of a prayer unheard and unanswered that our sin deserves. But neither let yourself forget that Jesus Christ has torn the shroud of separation between God and man on the cross, dying to forgive every last sin and therefore to reconcile you and me to God the Father Remember the object lesson we saw that day? Even as a spear tore through the tender veil of Jesus' flesh and pierced the sacred and true temple of his body. So remember also the veil of the temple of wood and stone in Jerusalem. That very hour was torn from top to bottom in the inner court of God. The Holy of Holies was exposed and made accessible to those until now, to all until now, who were unworthy to enter and to behold it. The ear of God himself by Christ opened, like it was to Adam and Eve in the cool of Eden's day when they would walk with him and talk with him. He listens again to any who would call upon him in Jesus' name. In today's Gospel reading, Jesus said, remember, he said, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Well, it's not that they hadn't asked. In fact, Jesus certainly had taught them well and thoroughly how to pray and what to pray. And so the many faithful of generations past who had gone before, all of those who trusted in the triune God, And knew that he would give to them salvation through the Christ, the Messiah that was to come. It's not that they hadn't asked. And it's not that God hadn't heard. 
and because of their faith in him, answered the prayers that they, they prayed to him. But until now, they had not asked in Jesus' name. But now, now there would be no more prayers prayed in anticipation of the one to come in his work. No, now, this very night, Jesus, on which Jesus speaks here, this night before Jesus is raised upon the cross and takes his place between heaven and earth as Jacob's true ladder, and the only mediator between God and man here on this night, Jesus explains clearly to us that we and all who ever have had access or ever would have access to God have access only through faith in Jesus' work. Therefore, only through Jesus' name. If you want the ear of the only God who hears prayers, it will be in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Friends, there's frankly no other reason that God the Father would listen to our prayers. Even now, as His forgiven people, even we of ourselves don't deserve of ourselves to be heard. In fact, Martin Luther galvanized, I think, that thought for many of us in his explanation of of the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, when he said, and perhaps you recall it, we pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look upon our sin nor deny our prayer because of them. We're neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that God would grant them all, all these things we ask. We ask that God would grant them all to us by grace for the sake of Christ. For we daily, he concludes, sin much. And indeed, we deserve nothing but punishment. But, friends, but washed in Christ connected to him, marked with him, trusting in Jesus, in his name, wearing his perfection by baptism. You can be certain each time you bow your head and open your heart to him, to ask him or to thank him, you can be sure as you ask or thank him in Jesus' name, you can be sure that God the Father is as well pleased and delighted to hear you as he is his own beloved son. No less. No less. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the children of God. John writes. And we are. That we should be able to call upon him. Call him Father and call upon him God as our Father. Just as dear children, Luther writes, would ask their dear Father. A son who knows well his father's passion to give, Jesus encourages us in the text then today, doesn't he? He says, ask. Ask of him. Ask of him in my name and he will give it to you. He says, don't hesitate to ask of him. In fact, he implies here, I died. That you could freely ask of him. Ask of him in my name. Ask of him for the big things in life. Things that have to do with doctors, maybe, or children, or spouses, or employment, or forgiveness, 
or that he would continue to bring the means of grace through those things that he's chosen. Ask of him in my name for the small things in life. Like how your tomatoes would do this summer. Those that you've planted in the garden. Or that there might be sunshine this weekend for the family get-together. Ask him, Jesus says. Now, I don't expect any one of us is surprised that Jesus would here exhort us to pray and to pray with boldness. Why wouldn't we be surprised? Because we well know how disinclined we are to pray. Why are we so disinclined? Because we're so busy. Our lives are so busy that it's often hard for us to find the time. Why are we so disinclined? Because we're so tired. Maybe we carve out some time and we designate some time at the end of the day and then we get to the end of the day. Life's busy day and we're so tired. And like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John, when they would pray, our eyes are heavy with sleep too. Why are we so disinclined to pray? Because we might figure we're handling it, Lord. We'll let you know, though, if we need a hand. Why are we so disinclined to pray? Because we're human. Because we're human, because we're fallen humans who never need much help at all in finding reasons to avoid asking God for his help. Christ enjoins us, ask. It's good for us. It's good for us, I say, not for God. He doesn't need our prayers to know what we need or what we'd like. He doesn't need to be reminded by prayerful thoughts or, or words whispered on our lips or spoken in the solitude of our rooms or spoken together at our kitchen tables. By these words, he doesn't need, he doesn't need or, or he's not reminded that, that it's through Christ that he is glad to hear us and, and to provide for us. We need to be reminded constantly of that. He doesn't need to be reminded in our hours and moments of deepest grief, that because of Christ, he's certain to be our hope and our help in the day of trouble. He doesn't need to be reminded by the very act of praying, the very act of asking and thanking and praising him, that apart from him, we're nothing. We need that daily reminder. God's not here the prodigal son, is he? We are. The one who's daily drawn to confess to his father how wrong we've been. Knowing that before even the word is on our tongue, the father has already forgiven us. For the sake of his son. He's already forgiven us because he's our father. We're the ones that need to remember that. God's not the child here. That's reminded each time he must ask. Reminded how much he relies on his father. We're the children for whom prayer is good. So Jesus says, ask. Don't doubt that he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Don't doubt that he'll certainly with him freely give you all things. Of course, as much as Jesus' name is the, is the key by which we have such access, Jesus' name also is the caveat by which we pray, isn't it? Knowing 
that when we ask for whatever it is that would make our joy full, knowing that there are some things that Jesus, because he loves us, that he simply can't put his name on. There are some things that the love of a father won't allow. Fathers, you know that. Mothers, on this Mother's Day, you certainly know that as well. Fathers, mothers, you understand that well. And all do, certainly. That those son or daughter pleads with you. Love many times compels you to say no because yes simply wouldn't be as loving. Yes would bring a hurt that only the wisdom of a parent can see. And the blind longing or ambition of a child can't. So if you ask and your heavenly father is compelled in love to say no, it's not that your faith isn't strong enough. It's not that there, there aren't enough prayers, quota of them to reach some benchmark that would then release the floodgates. See, that's not why the Sharks won their playoff game last night. If, if, if in his love he doesn't grant it to you, it's not that your faith isn't strong enough. It's, it's not that there aren't enough prayers to reach a benchmark that would release the floodgates. A father's love doesn't work that way, does it? A father's love doesn't work that way. All the children in the world could beg a father. All of them. But even if with one voice every single child did, love won't allow what's not loving. And then again, only a small, one small trace of a voice of a young one may begin to ask a father or mother for something that the father or mother already knows that he, the little one needs. And you know how ready and willing a father's love or a mother's love is to give, even before the young one asks. Friends, what man or mother today is there among you? Jesus asks, who if his son asks for bread would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish would give him a serpent? If you, if you then, Jesus says, know how to give good gifts, loving gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts, good gifts to those who ask him? So, in the confidence that you come in Jesus' name, ask. One more point to make today, because Jesus does. With his remarks, he concludes with one more point before, interestingly, he himself then turns to pray to his father in the high priestly prayer. But lastly, in today's remarks, Jesus says this, in this world, you will have tribulation. With the access that we've been granted, we may, in prayer, we may pray tribulations be few and far between. But be sure that they will be. And I don't mean just troubles in life that plague us because of our fallen condition. No, I mean thlipsis. That's the Greek word here that Jesus uses. Thlipsis. An intense pressing in from all sides. A 
squashing, a pressing in, an intense pressing in, tribulation. And why? Precisely, it's used throughout Scripture, it's used precisely because you believe and you confess and you pray in Jesus' name. Tribulation, because you confess Christ. Because of your faith in Him, there will be tribulation in the world. God direct our prayers. That we ask Him more than for the absence of tribulation. But that we ask Him for the fortitude and resolve to take heart. And to know that by His death and by His resurrection, He has overcome the world. For remember that each and every trial and tribulation that your Heavenly Father would allow into your life first has to pass through the cross. Each one that would approach you. Think of an airport security checkpoint. Each one that would approach you and that cross-shaped checkpoint and wish to enter into your baptized life. Each one your Father inspects and scrutinizes to ensure that it won't be more than a loving father would permit. Each one he permits only under the condition that it won't work to the harm of those who love him, but only to your good. God grant us faith to pray, knowing that he who won our prized access to the Father is he who has overcome the world. In his name, Jesus' name, amen.
pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We pray. O Holy Father, receive our thanks and our praise for the love of Christ who became vulnerable to our sin and its death in order to pay for it, that through him our prayers and our praise and our petitions would be acceptable unto you. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church throughout the world, that all of your people would treasure the gift of your Son who has overcome the world, that we too may be sustained through our tribulations in it unto that day when we enter into the eternal city whose temple is the Lamb. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all pastors you've called to serve your church, that they may faithfully preach and teach your word and rightly administer your sacraments, that through these holy means the hearts of people may be open to your grace, even as you work through your word to open the heart of Lydia in days of old. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For our nation, that your benediction and blessing would rest upon the labors of those elected to serve us. For our citizenry, that we would all abide by the laws enacted by our legislatures and maintained by law enforcement and applied by judges, so that we may be a people at peace with one another and a blessing in the world, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For all throughout your church who have recently or are preparing to confess their baptismal faith through the rite of confirmation, as well as for all adults who, after adult destruction in the faith, have committed themselves to what is here believed, and taught and confessed that we may all remain faithful to you unto life's end, let us pray unto the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For all mothers on this Mother's Day, the expectant, those about to deliver, that each mother would, through their children, be richly blessed, that they would be honored and respected and sincerely loved by sons and daughters, and with their family celebrate their God-given vocation of self-giving love, and for the estate of motherhood, that it may be honored by us all, encouraged by society, and entered into and supported through the God-ordained institution of marriage. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who are in harm's way due to violent weather, that they would be protected from its hazards. For those whose homes and businesses have been destroyed by tornadoes and fire and flood, especially for Nashville, Tennessee, and its suburb communities that you would provide for their daily needs and grant them the assistance that they need to recover, and for the efforts to contain the oil spill which threatens the southern coasts of our land. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who are sick and injured or suffering in any way, that your will for them would be accomplished through the medical care that they receive, especially those recovering from recent successful surgeries, particularly Grace Shipman, Marjorie Fleming, Gloria Chambers, Jan Williams, Barbara Newman, for Hugh Ryan, who is again hospitalized, Sean O'Brien, as he undergoes cancer treatment, those anticipating medical procedures, Beverly Myers and her daughter Debbie. We ask your blessings upon them and all of these that all in need would be granted patience and encouraged by the love and concern of family and friends. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we then commend all for whom we've prayed, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the cast the bright beams of your light upon your church, that we, being instructed by the doctrine of the blessed apostles, may walk in the light of your truth, and finally, by your grace, attain unto light of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.